Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. Hey, if we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, maybe this is your first time. My name's JJ, and I get the privilege of leading our church as pastor along with my wife, Liz. And I'm excited uh, because today we are kicking off a brand new sermon series. And I, I put a lot of effort, a lot of prayer into these. And I'm believing that today's is going to be something special for you and your family. How many people, you uh, were here for all three weeks of Sun Stand Still? Come on, you were here for, yeah, amen. What a great reminder to... Pray big prayers and believe big dreams and go big or go home and and that's awesome. Uh, Today, we're going to kick off a brand new series called uh, The Haunted Heart and The Haunted Heart. And uh, we are embracing uh, the spirit of Halloween here at church. (laughs) And that might not sound good if depending on the kind of church you grew up in. And I just want to say it from the beginning. I appreciate the fact that you come here every Sunday. But this church wasn't just built for you. It was built for your friend. It was built for your neighbor. It was built for your coworker. And uh, we believe that we want to uh, reach anyone. Jesus can be accessible to, to anyone. And so we are constantly pulling in pop culture and pulling in things that people can relate to uh, to try and, and, uh, and communicate uh, gospel truths. And so what we're going to do in the haunted heart is we're going to talk about four different monsters. That's right. Four different monsters that we've all grown up with. And I believe that these monsters don't just exist in Hollywood. I believe they exist in our hearts. And we're going to kind of extract biblical truth from each one of these monsters. And I believe that it's going to benefit you in a really uh, big, big, big way. You guys ready to get started? Amen. Let's do it. The first monster that we're going to talk about in the series, Haunted Heart, is the monster known as Frankenstein. We got to get a sound effect for that next week. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what Frankenstein's sound effect is, but uh, Frankenstein. And, and if you kind of grew up in, in, these, uh, in the horror movies and the scary movies, first off, I can't relate, okay? Um, some people, raise your hand. I said this last week. If you love scary movies, you're a scary movie buff, you find it. Yeah, we'll pray for you, ma'am. We'll pray for you. Um, Demonic stuff in that. We'll pray for you. And um, I don't believe all that. But I, I do say, I just say this. Listen, life is scary enough. I'm not going to pay somebody to scare me. I'll pay you to do my lawn. Um, I'll pay you to do, you know, grocery shopping. I'll pay you to bring me, you know, food from a restaurant that I'm too lazy to drive to. Um, but I'm not going to pay you uh, to scare me, okay. Uh, that's just, you know, this is scary enough. This is for free right here. So um, I just live with that. Uh, but, uh, but, but Frankenstein is a good monster to begin talking about <clears throat> because there's really a big misconception about who Frankenstein is. Uh, the truth is, I don't know if you know this, but Frankenstein's name is not even really Frankenstein. It's one of the biggest misnomers. In the original novel by Mary Shelley, the Frankenstein name that we've all come to know as the monster with the, you know, lightning bolt in the hair and the scars and the green face and his name was not Frankenstein. Frankenstein was the name of the creator, Dr. Victor Frankenstein, who made the monster. But the monster's real name, are you ready for it? Drum roll, drum roll, drum roll, drum roll. The monster's real name, we never knew this. This was a, That drum roll was weak and it lasted very short. And 
we're either going to do this together or we're not going to do this at all, church. All right, come on now. Drum roll, please. The monster's real name was. See, it's funner when we do it together. His name was actually the monster. That's right. We all thought that his name was Frankenstein, but it wasn't. In every page, I looked in the pages, it's nowhere to be found. The monster's real name is Frankenstein. And the reason why the monster's name is Frankenstein is because he was not a dead person who came back to life. He was the many parts of many different people who came to form one new person. He was made up of the parts of other people. And so he couldn't be called Sarah because this, this was Sarah. But it was just one piece. And he couldn't be called, you know, Jane because this was Jane. And so when, when, it, when, when, you, when he was made up of the parts of so many other people, he, he lost his identity. And that's what I want to preach and teach to you about today. I want to talk about the topic of identity and what it means to be made up of the parts of other people. And the reason why I want to do that is because scientists say that it will take a baby, <clears throat> listen to this, only five months to realize its name. Just five months. But I have learned as a pastor that it can take that same baby 50 years to discover who they are. It's a different question. What's your name and who you are? And the reason why it takes so long is because of the way that God wired us to grow and mature. You know, our name is given to us by the people around us. The way we learn to speak is by listening to the people around us. That's why some of us have accents, you know what I'm saying? It's my New York accent. I hide it a lot. We learn to walk by watching the people who are around us. Did you know that actually the taste buds that we have have been trained by the food that we've been served as a child? Did you know that? Here's a mind blow, ready? Your mama's cooking is not that good. Now I know them's fighting words. I know them's fighting words. I'm just, I'm just saying the reason why a home-cooked meal brings so much warmth to you is not because your mom is, 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 is you know, emerald, bam, you know, or something like that. Or it's because you grew up on it and it trains your taste buds for a certain type of taste. So much of us is formed by those around us. And here's the problem. When we grow up, we don't know where they end and we start. We don't know what part of us is us and what part of us is them. Where do we end and where do they begin? But because we've been observing their behavior for so long, here's the challenge. Here's the tension. Because we've been watching people and because we've been growing up watching people and learning how to be a person by watching people. Listen, we're real clear on who we're expected to be. And we're real clear on who we're supposed to be. We just don't know who we are. We just don't know who we are. We know who people want us to be. We know who people are expecting us to be, but we're not really sure who God created us to be. I call this the Frankenstein phenomenon. It's not a real thing, but I made it up. I made it up to define the very real effect that someone else's influence can have on the choices you make and the person you become. If you can relate, say amen. And if you can't relate, you're a liar. And I'll prove it. I'm going to prove this to you right now. You know the Frankenstein effect is real, the phenomenon is real, if you just take a look 
at the monstrous fashion trends throughout the eras of history, the clothes that we wore, not because they look good, guys, but because other people wore them. Are you going to just sit there like you don't know what I'm talking about? Okay, I'll just pull out some outfits then. And maybe you can relate. Make some noise if you uh, lived through the 70s. You lived through the 70s. Come on. Where my people at? All right. Awesome. Okay. Men, what were you doing in, in this right here? What was that? Why are you in a one-piece jumpsuit? Sir, made of polyester, catch on fire, it was easy. Just women, you are not exempt from this. What were you doing in the 80s? With these shoulder pads, please help me. <laughs> Somebody. What was, what was that about? Okay. Having to walk through hallways sideways, okay? Just <laughs> bumping into people. And you wore that hat. The reason why you wore that hat was to cover that hair. <laughs> the higher the hair, the closer to heaven. That's what she's talking about right there. She's just trying to get a head start on the rapture. That's what's happening right now. It's just... Guys living through the 80s, your hair was just as bad, okay? Batman shirt with the mullet haircut, business in the front, party in the back. You know, now let's get to the 90s. This was the 90s guy's haircut. Boom, the bowl cut. I had a woman in the 930 say that was my haircut. It was a unisex haircut. You could be a guy, you could be a girl. All you needed was a bowl and a pair of scissors. That's all you needed. Put it on there and boom. In and out, the bowl cut, all right? For the, those who lived through the 2000s, come on, the frosted tips. Y'all remember the frosted tips? Raise your hand if you had the frosted tips. Hey. I'm only man enough to admit it. Only one person, you know. And the reason you couldn't do it is because your hair was nappy. You know it, but you would have done it. You'd have done it if you could have. You'd have done it if you could have. You'd have done it if you could have. We'll get back to fashion uh, this was real back in the 70s. Men wore bell bottoms. I got a picture of my dad in those. Um, <clears throat> this is my question for the women. Why did you wear, why did you, why were your calves so cold? It's my question. And <laughs> when are your calves ever cold? I don't understand why your calves would be cold. I just got questions and I didn't live through that era. I didn't know if the drafts back in the day were lower than they were in our generation, but. I've got questions. And, and the next one is me, for real. I wore this, guys, in the 90s. Short sleeves on top of long sleeves. You remember that? I did that, like, every day. I wore a short sleeve, and it was awesome because you could have endless combinations. My wife said, this is coming back. I'm like, we need to bury it right now. Somebody came to church at the 930 in that. I was like, I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> I'm preaching to you right now. And this is for all the ladies who lived through the 90s. Come on, you know, you know this is true. The jellies. The jellies. <laughs> You know, you had your jellies on. The jellies are so real. And if you really did it, you know, you mixed it up with the mismatched socks. That's how you really wore the, you're the mismatch, you know what I'm saying? Because crisscross will make you, that's right, <laughs> that's right. Because crisscross will make you jump, jump, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> I promise, if this is your first time at church, we're going to get spiritual real quick, all right? We're just transitioning. <clears throat> Of course, you know, it's not even really about the style. It's not really about what's on the exterior. I don't mind us taking on other people's fashion sense. That's cool. That's how fashion works. It's supposed to be trendy. The, the issue is when we don't just take on other people's style. The issue is when we take on other people's problems. 
The issue is when we take on other people's personalities. The issue is when we take on other people's perspectives and other people's passions and other people's purposes and we lose ourselves. You know, nobody's born a racist. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. You smile at a baby, that baby's smiling back. What is racism? It's the part of another person that's been implanted into a child. Nobody's born into debt. You can be born into poverty, but nobody's born into debt. How, how do we grow up in debt? I'll tell you how that happens. We grow up in a home with people who don't practice financial responsibility. They swipe a credit card everywhere, and so we learn that's the way that we live our life. We don't grow up being verbally or physically abusive. What happened? We grew up in a home where, where dad hit mom and, and mom yelled at dad. And so that's the way we treat our spouse now because that was the model that was displayed for us. Nobody's born in a mediocrity. Nobody is born. And what do you want to be when you grow up? And nobody says average. No, right? On the other, on the contrary, we want to be born, we want to be, oh, want to be astronauts. We don't want to be the president. We all want to be, you know, veterinarians and doctors and all those things. We all want to be great and significant, right? Mediocrity to settle was something that someone else implanted into our soul. And who is born with an insecurity, thinking twice about their body? Nobody's born with insecurity. That's someone else's piece that they put into us. No one is born with pressure on their shoulders. You weren't born with pressure on your shoulders. You know how you got that pressure on your shoulders? Someone else's expectation became a part of your identity. That's not yours. And here, and here is my hope today. Here is the summary. Here is the goal. Here is what I want to accomplish. One thing I've been praying for all week for you has been this. My prayer has been that you would let go of the you that you think everybody's expecting you to be and be the you that God created you to be. I believe that's going to happen in the next 33 minutes. That you're going to begin a process of accepting the you you are and not the you you think you're supposed to be. Very important lesson. And we're going to learn that by looking at the life of one of my favorite Bible characters. I see myself so much in his life. His name is Jacob. Genesis chapter 25, verse 25. Jacob has a brother. His twin brother is Esau. They're, they're being in the belly at the same time. And, uh, and it's, a mess. it's a wrestling match inside their belly to come out first. And the reason why both babies want to come out first, they didn't know this, but they wanted to be out, was because the very first child who was born would receive almost double the inheritance. See, nowadays, if you have an inheritance, you probably would split it 50-50. Now, I don't like a lot of things about the Old Testament, but I am a firstborn, so I think we should bring this one back is all I'm saying. All my firstborns, raise your hand if you're a firstborn. Come on. It's our right. <laughs> if you're a firstborn, you got twice as much as the other base. So 80-20 is what you got. And, uh, and, 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 and it was cool. And, and so they're fighting. And, uh, but, but Esau comes out first. And then Jacob comes out, and here's the story how it works. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. And all the hairy men in church said, amen. <laughs> There's somebody in the Bible I can relate to. Anyway, so they named him Esau. <clears throat> Verse 26, after this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, holding on. Can you picture that? One baby comes out, and where his leg ends, this next child's arm begins holding on to his heel, and so he was named Jacob, which means heel grabber. And I think it's so interesting, listen to me, 
that before Jacob could ever even say his first word, that before Jacob could ever make a choice even, before he could even do right or do wrong, before he could ever lie, before he could ever steal out of the cookie jar, before he could ever do anything good or bad, please catch this, his identity is already being formed by another person's perspective. They said, oh, look at him. He's a heel grabber, which means deceiver, trickster. You know, we do that today. Um, when my dad and my mom, they were looking at, at Zane the other day, and they were thinking, oh, my gosh, he's so handsome. They said, he's going to be a heartbreaker. He's five. <laughs> they say, he's going to be a heartbreaker. And I had two responses, if I'm honest. The man in me and then the pastor in me. The man in me was like, you're damn right he's going to be a... Heartbreaker, come on. Heartbreaker. And then all of a sudden the pastor in me rose up and I'm like, what am I saying? <laughs> a heartbreaker? No, I don't want to speak that over his life, right? But we do it. And parents don't mean, you got to catch this because you're holding things against your parent they never meant to do. They didn't know any better. There were people in your life when you were a child who spoke things over your life that you began to take on as your identity. They said things. They started off subtle, you know, like, oh, if you had siblings, oh, he's the smart one. She's the creative one. That's what they call you when you're not smart, creative. <laughs> you caught on to that, right? At a young age. <laughs> you did. I'm real creative, but I can't pass math. What's up? You know? <laughs> What's going on, mom? You're the creative one. He's the smart one. And we start to play into these labels. You know, he's the funny one. You know, he, he's the serious one. And, and that's fine as, as, long as, as long as it ends there. But sometimes you hear other things, things like, you're never going to amount to anything. You're such a failure. You're ugly. Why can't you be more like blank? And in those problems, in those, in those situations, we have a problem because the foundation of our identity begins to be formed by the opinions of other people. The first part of the body that forms of the monster that's being created, that forms this false identity are other people's opinions. I just want to point out how awesome our creative team is because I told them that Jacob was a heel grabber. And so they got one with heels. Come on, somebody. We think through all the details at Journey Church. <laughs> Jacob was a heel grabber. His name was based on someone else's opinion of who he or you are. And that, that's an issue, guys. You know, I, and I know how many people would be willing to admit, you know, we care a little bit too much about what other people think sometimes. That's why we can post a picture to social media and within one minute have refreshed, have refreshed the page ten times. Every six seconds, six likes, eight likes, ten likes, ten likes, ten likes, ten likes. Ten likes. Ten likes. <laughs> ah, I'm not looking. Eleven likes. <laughs> why? Because we care about what other people think. That's why before we go to a restaurant, we'll check up Yelp or Open Table to see what other people think about the restaurant that we're about to choose. That's why before we make a purchase, we'll look at the reviews on Amazon for the item that we're about to purchase because we care about what other people think. That's why before we watch a movie, we're going to Rotten Tomatoes and seeing if it's 80%, if it's fresh, if it's rotten and all that. Because we want to know, is this going to be a good movie? I don't want to waste my time. And let me tell you, other people's opinions are helpful as long as they're helpful. The problem is when you face an opinion that's not helpful but hurtful. 
The problem is when you have an overbearing parent in your life who won't let you parent the, your kids the way you want to parent your kids. And every time you parent your kids a certain way, you hear them, I don't do that, don't do that, you shouldn't do this. The problem is when you have a boss who has not said an encouraging thing to you since you started and has slammed every bit of article of work that you've produced. The problem is if you're an entrepreneur or a businesswoman or a man and somebody leaves a negative review on Google about your business or about your service and all of a sudden it's not an attack on what you've done, it's an attack on who you are. There's a problem when we build our identity on the opinions of others. And the reason why that's a problem is because, and I know you're going to disagree, but it's the truth. Let me explain it. Did you know that an opinion cannot be wrong? It can't. Why? Because it's an opinion. It's subjective in nature. A fact can be wrong and a fact can be right. But an opinion is an opinion. And so it doesn't matter if it's true, it can't be wrong. And so if you build your life on something that can't be wrong, it's going to affect you even though it might not be true about who you are. Let me give you an example so it can make more sense. I was doing some premarital counseling or some marital counseling with a couple a couple months ago. And, um, and the wife was kind of sharing about how she felt. And the reason why she felt a certain type of way was because her husband would not um, throw out the trash on a regular basis and would not put away the dirty clothes. Said every wife everywhere. Guys, we got to fix this. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so she looked at her husband and she said, at the end, she kind of summarized, she said, I just don't feel like you care about me. And the husband, you know, um, looked at her and said, like, he meant it to be, like, encouraging, but it was bad. He said, you're wrong. <laughs> and I was waiting to, to be like, it didn't go good. You're wrong is what he said. And I had to intervene, you know, because you can't take people's sides. But I'm like, no, no, she's not wrong. And he said, no, but I do love her. And I go, I understand that you love her, but her opinion, the way that she feels, that's not wrong. It can't be wrong. And he looked at me. He said, Pastor, you're wrong. <laughs> and I was like, well, listen, if you don't want my help, you can just leave. No, I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm telling you, you can't have a wrong opinion. And here's the thing. In, in, instead of arguing with her opinion, you ought to ask yourself why her opinion hurts you the way that it does. Chances are it's because her opinion exposes an insecurity in your identity. You see, she's trying to tell you what you did, but you're translating what she did as who you are. Wives, you need to hear this because you're telling your husband that he's not putting away his clothes right. And you're telling him that he's not throwing away the trash. And you're telling him that he, he doesn't make you feel loved. But what he's hearing is, I am a failure. And he's right back at kickball in seventh grade. An opinion, and this might help you, and so I'm going to write this in a way that will help you, whether you're single, whether you just, you know, you have a business, whatever. This is going to help you exceed, succeed. It's going to help you keep going. I wrote it in the first person so you can tell it to all your haters or take a picture with it, post it, and they'll know who you're talking about. And so here's what you can do. Tell them this. Tell them, your opinion is a reaction to what I've done, not a reflection of who I am. Hear me out. Instead of trying to change someone else's opinion... Listen to me, we spend so much time in this country trying to change a person's opinion that is not up for debate. They say it is, but it's not. Instead of trying to change a person's opinion, just accept an opinion for what it is and reject it for what it is not. An opinion is a great reaction of what I've done, but a poor reflection of who I am. Why? Because if it's a reaction of what I've done, you can speak to what I've done because you were there when I did it. But if it's a reflection of who I am, you can't speak to who I am because you weren't there when he made me. You don't have the perspective to be able to speak into my personality. You can speak into my actions, but you can't speak to my personality. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says this, Before I formed you in the womb, God says, I knew you. 
I knew you, God says. They don't know you. I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, God says. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Listen, this is what you need to tell every hater in your life. You were there when I failed so you can speak to what I've done. But you weren't there when I was formed so you can't speak to who I am. You can't. You were there when I was wounded so you can speak into my hurt. But you weren't there before the womb so you can't speak to who I am. And there's somebody at church right now who's sitting next to somebody that they know for a long time. And they're like, I think I can speak to who he is. I think I can speak to who she is. I've been there. I've been living with them 10 years. I've been living with them 15 years. I've been living with them for 20 years. And all these days, I know who they are. No, you don't. But I know their days up until this point. Up until this point, you do. But the Bible says that he knows every day that has been assigned for us before we've even lived it. In other words, you can speak to the days that I've lived, but you can't speak to the days that I've yet to live. In other words, you can speak to my character, but you don't know my calling. You can speak to who I am, but you can't speak to who I'm becoming. God's got a plan for my life. I might not be that person today, but I'm in a process. I'm being developed. You don't know me. Ooh, tap your neighbor and tell them, you don't know me. Come on, but say it like they said something about you. There you go. You don't know me. Come on, tell the other neighbor, you don't know me. Now pull out your phone and scream at your Twitter. You don't know me. <laughs> Scream at your Instagram, you don't know me. Don't judge my life on a post. Don't judge my life on a comment. Don't judge my life on a like or a failure. I'm not a divorcee. I'm called. Don't judge my life on a label. I'm not sick. I'm healed. Don't judge myself on my past. You don't know me. Because you weren't there. You weren't there. You weren't there when he made me. You weren't there when he wrote out the days of my life. You weren't there when he called me. You weren't there. You weren't there. You don't have a right to speak into who I am. You don't know me. I appreciate your opinion for what it is. That's how you bring it. That's how you become a Christian at the end of yelling at them. <laughs> you be like, yo, I thank you for your opinion. I appreciate your opinion. But it's not a reflection of who I am. It's not. And you got to be careful. Joel, you want to help out? Thank you, bro. When you build your life on other people's opinion, listen to me, you're going to end up living your life for other people's approval. When you build your life on other people's opinions. You're going to live your life for other people's approval. Other people's approval. And this is exactly what happens to Jacob and Esau. Genesis 25, verse 27. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Good. Mama's boy. He didn't kill the meat. He cooked the meat. Nothing wrong with that. I actually love how the Bible paints two pictures of masculinity here. I don't think you need to feel less like a man if you can't fix a car. Um, and I'm just preaching to myself, okay, because <laughs> I can't. And so, all right. Um, <laughs> it's two pictures of masculinity here. Um, but there's a reason why uh, Esau becomes a hunter and Jacob stays at home. And I never saw this. I've always preached that verse, but I've never preached verse 28. And verse 28 is so key because 28 is the key to why they chose to live those lives in verse 27. Look at verse 28. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved who? Loved who? But Rebecca loved who? Please catch this. Rebecca loved Jacob from the beginning and she was a cook. Isaac loved Esau from the beginning and he was a hunter. So Esau and Jacob didn't even get to become who they wanted to be. They became who their parents wanted them to be. 
Are you catching that? Esau said, if I'm, if I'm a hunter, my dad will love me. And so he became a hunter. Jacob said, if I'm a chef, if I can stay at home and take care of the house, then Rebecca, my mom, she'll love me. They didn't become who they wanted to be. They became who their parents wanted to be. And not just because they were living for the approval of others, but because they knew that they were rejected by the other parent. Here's what I've learned. When you live for the approval of others, it's not really their approval that you want. It's the, it's, it's the rejection of others that you're trying to avoid. Approval of others. Other people's approval is really a fear of rejection that lives inside of you. I got to make a confession here. My name is JJ. Thank you. Some of you guys have been to those meetings. I guess so. <laughs> you knew how it worked. Ah, Hey, this is your church. Anyway. Um, and I am a recovering people pleaser. I got to make it admit to you guys. The moment this message is over, I'm going to get in my car. And the first thing I'm going to do is open up Twitter. Instagram and Facebook to see if any of y'all commented on this sermon. <laughs> it's true. And if there's not a lot of comments, I'm down. Which is why you need to help my self-esteem. <laughs> but like, that was the mess ever at JJ underscore Vasquez. Just saying. Um, no, it's a problem. <laughs> like, can I be real? Because like, I think there's a perception that pastors have to be a certain type of way, and I think I can only help you being from who I am. I know you don't struggle with other people's approval. I know you got that down pat. Um, but me, I still wrestle with it. Oh, and it gets worse when I get home. Because then I get home, and my wife's there. And I'm like, and I'm like so, babe, uh, what did you think about church today? And she's like, oh, it was awesome. I'm like, cool, 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 cool. Um, what'd you like about it? She goes, oh, kids was on point. And I'm like, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool. What else did you like about it? She said, worship was anointed. I'm like, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, 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 cool. Anything else stick out about the experience? She's like, well, the parking team was, the preaching woman, how was the preaching? <laughs> She's like, oh, the preaching. She just told me, well, I'm trying to be humble here, okay. The preaching, oh, the preaching was great. Cool, cool. So what was your favorite part? I got issues, y'all. I got issues. I know you don't, but I do. Because, and it's not even, listen, that I want people to like me. It's I, I don't want people to not like me. It's not approval. It's the fear of men. This is what the Bible says in Proverbs 29, 25. Look at this. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Fear of man will prove to be a snare. That word snare is makesh in the Hebrew, and it literally means, like back in the day, if you were a, worked as a farmer and you needed to get a bull to follow you or an animal to follow you, you would take a hook. The makesh is the snare. It's the hook. And so this is a little nasty, but it's the only way I'm going to ever get it ingrained in your mind. They would put the hook in the nostril, just like that, and the, and the hook would lead them. 
and it would take the, it would take the animal wherever they want to go. And so this is a problem, see, because when you live for other people's approval, you're still making decisions and you're still making choices, not even choices that you want to make, but choices that are led by your desire for the approval of other people. So you'll buy a car that you don't need with money that you don't have to impress people that you don't know. <laughs> Just to, just to be, just because other people, you'll, you'll start majoring in a certain thing at school. Not because that's your passion, but because you want income to be able to buy things to impress people. Even like Jacob and Esau, you'll choose a career. Not that you love, but a career that other people can clap at and, and, and be proud of. And, and the people we even marry sometimes, is not the person we love, but the person we think is going to get the approval of others. We're being led into decisions and choices and lifestyles that we never intended, that God never intended for us. So how do you know if this is you? We're going to get real practical today. How do you know if you're a people pleaser? Chances are you're denying it right now, which is cool. Um, let, let, show of hands. Raise your hand if, if, if you know that you, you can be a people pleaser sometimes. You can think about why other people care too much. Okay, keep your hand up. Guys, I want you to look around at everybody who doesn't have their hand up. It's because they think too much about what other people want. <laughs> because they're trying to they approve other people right now. True story. True enough. All right. This is how you know if it's you. Number one, you're overly sensitive. Mm. Mm. Overly sensitive. You send a text message to your BFF, and they don't reply right away. And now you're there in isolation, wondering where it all went wrong. What happened to our friendship? Like, like they're in the shower, but you don't know that. You're thinking they found another BFF. And they're talking about you right now behind your back. You create a whole narrative because you're sensitive. Ladies, you get a new haircut, and you feel like, I'm going to bring old school, you feel like the bomb walking out that salon. You got the highlights are just right. The length is just right. It's bouncing. You look, you look great, and you're expecting other people to acknowledge how great you look. And you get home. I learned this ooh, early on in marriage. This got a haircut. She came home. She was like, hey. She stared at me for five minutes. She said, you, you, you notice anything different? I was like. I was like. I don't. Word of advice to future husbands, you always notice something different. And if you don't notice something different, just guess. You'll get there eventually. Be like, your hair? No. Your eyelashes? <laughs> Are they longer than usual? Your makeup? Yo, you look good, girl. You look good. I love you. Number two, you compromise your values. You know you're living for the approval of other people if you compromise your values, like you're a man, but, but you're a man of God, and you have a certain way of talking, you have a certain line that you won't cross in humor because you know the person God called you to be, but you hang around some other guys, and maybe their joke get a little bit crude, get a little bit vulgar, but you don't want to be the crazy Christian guy, and so instead of removing yourself from that situation, you compromise your values and contribute to that conversation in a way that you know you ought not to, but you do it because you don't want to be called out as different, or you're a young woman who's been saving her purity for marriage, because of you, because you want to, because that's a value that you have, and that's something that you want, but then you get in a relationship with this guy, 
and he really likes you, and he doesn't tell you he likes you. He tells you that he loves you. I love you a lot. You're the best, and I would love you even more if you. And so, and so you to get the approval and love of another person, you compromise the values that you held deep. Some of you guys getting into debt. You have a, a, a value of staying financially free and not being in debt, but you compromise that to keep up with the Joneses. Here's the third way you know that you struggle for the approval of other people. You have a hard time sharing your faith. You have a hard time sharing your faith. Why? You really do believe in Jesus. You really do believe that he's the way, the truth, and the life. But something happens. Something happens. You, 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 you're in a conversation, and it's your moment. You know, you can tell. Like, your friend is there, and they're talking about how crazy life is. Everything inside you wants to invite them to church, wants to tell them about Jesus. But you just don't want to seem like, come on, just say amen if you've been there. You don't want to seem like the crazy, religious, weirdo guy or girl. And so you hold it in for their approval. And this is the last one that I'll give you, and I, I know this is going to resonate. This is how you know you live for the approval of other people. Listen, you have a hard time saying no. If you can't say no right now, say amen. You have a hard time saying no. Somebody comes up to you and says, hey, can you help me with, and everything inside of you is, no, I'm busy, I'm stressed, I'm overwhelmed. On the inside, you say that. But they came up to you and you want their approval. You don't want to be wrong. So you go, I would love to. That would be the best thing that's happened to me all week. Gosh, when can I start? Right now? Sure, I'll just ask somebody else to pick up my kids. I'll do it. Let's go. Don't worry about my anniversary. It's fine. Totally fine. We'll have more. It's fine. It's fine. Are you sure? It's fine. It's fine. I'm not sure. Right? If that's you, I want to help you out. I'm going to give you two things real quick. Number one, I'll just give it to you this way. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. If that's you, how can you break out of that? On the contrary, we speak as though approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please people, but please who? God, who tests our hearts. Here's what I love. I'll give you one that will help you. You got to, instead of living for the approval of people, decide to live from the approval of God. Instead of living for the approval of people, here you go, live from the approval of God. I am an over-encourager in my children. I met a parent out there who agreed with me. She knows what that means. It's when you tell your kids things that are not true about them, but, like, you want to call them higher. It's like when, when we, like, throw parties for our babies that learn to walk, but really walking is, like, a basic human function, <laughs> but we make a big deal out of it. It's like when my kid learned to write, Zane. I looked at him after he learned to write. I said, he learned to read. I said, bro, you are a genius. Right? That's not true. It's just not. The standard for genius, I'm pretty sure, is a little higher than you can read. But I told him that. That became a problem because the other day we were doing homework together. And I was like, all right, man, now you got to do this paper right here because this paper is going to make you smarter. He goes, dad, dad, I don't need to do this paper. I'm like, why do you need to do this paper? He goes, because dad, I'm a genius. He's five. I'm a, I'm a genius, Dad. Now, while that is a terrible answer, I kind of admire his perspective. What he's saying is, I don't need to pass a test to prove to someone else what my father already told me I was. 
I don't, I don't need your badge of approval. I don't need your certificate. I don't need your diploma. I love higher education. I don't need it to validate who I am. I don't need a DR in front of my name, a PhD at the end of my name. An REV at the beginning of my name does not make me a minister. What makes me a minister is the calling that he placed on my life. And you got to understand this right now. You don't got to prove nothing to nobody. You already were proved. Before you did one deed on this earth, before you even came to earth, God said, before I formed you in the womb, I already proved you. You are already approved. You are already called. You are already chosen. You are already set apart. Already. Already, already, already. Get ready, get ready, get ready. You live life built on other people's opinions. For other people's approval, you end up shifting your actions. And I wrote actions like this for a reason. Because the way you live your life is not even the way you want to live your life. The way you live your life is the, the way you think other people want to see your life being lived. I'll show you a story in here, and there's a reason why I picked the arms for a second. Genesis 27, 14. Real quick, real quick. Isaac's about to give the blessing to Esau. While Esau's out, Jacob sneaks in. Isaac is blind. So his mom, Jacob's mom, dresses up Esau, dresses up Jacob like Esau. Remember when he said that Esau was hairy? And so this is what the mom does. The mom puts hair on, on Esau's, on Jacob's arm because Isaac can't tell because he's blind. So they dress up, they dress up Jacob to look like Esau so that he can get the blessing. And I'm just going to kind of fast forward to, to verse, verse 18. And then Jacob went to his father and he said, my father, yes, my son, he answered, 27, 18, who is it? Now this is an important question because now Jacob is dressed up like someone else, someone who he thinks his dad wants him to be. He's putting on a pretend version of himself. What a question. He says, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? This is the question that God is asking you today. Who are you? And Jacob's answer breaks my heart. He, he, he doesn't accept himself for who he is. And so he says this, my name is Esau. Who is it? Esau. And he pretends to be someone he's not. You know what I've learned? That there are three people inside of every person. There's the person that we are, which is the person that we hate. We hate who we are because it's not pretty. It's not, it's not attractive. It's got issues. It's got problems. And then there's a, another person. This is the person we want to be. I call that future me. Guys, you would love future me. Future me is the man. Future me is funny but serious. Future me is wise but relatable. Future me is holy, but goes out for wings after church. Future me got a six-pack, but he can eat ice cream whenever he wants. Future me is awesome. I love future me, but I'm not future me. And so here's what I've done. Since I don't like me, and I know that I'm not who I want to be, I can't be future me, and I don't want to stay as me, so I create a third me called the fake me. Fake me is who the real me is while I'm trying to become the me I want to be. 
The person who went in to get that blessing wasn't Jacob and it wasn't Esau. It was some weird monster who had created an identity based on what other people wanted. There's a monster in your heart right now. It's not the real you. And now we have a problem, right? Because there's three of us. There's three of us on stage. Who do I want to be? I want to be you, Jason. I want to be you. I want to be you because you're tall. And tall's the one thing I'll never be. I want to be you because of your sick beard. I want to be you because of your awesome singing voice and your fashion sense. Do you dress yourself? I don't even dress myself. Liz picks out my clothes. And so here's the problem. Joey, can we move this in the middle? I know we didn't do this in the first service, but can we move this real quick? Yeah, move this in the middle. Jason, come out here. Yeah, I know. She's, she's, she's tricky. Just, you know what, Jason? Just get on that side. <laughs> just get on that side. Yeah, just get on that side. Get on that side. So here's the fake me is the bridge that I build to get from the real me to the me I want to be. Is this helping anybody? The fake me is the bridge that I make to get me from who I want to be, from who I am, to who I want to be. But it's a false creation. Isaac blesses Jacob, but guess what? Jacob doesn't get the inheritance. He actually becomes a fugitive. He runs away. For 21 years, he's poor. For 21 years, he's got nothing. Why? Because God can't bless who you pretend to be. Because he's the king over all creations. But he didn't create this monster, so he can't bless it. Jesus enters the scene and gives us a better way. Uh, Austin, uh, you're going to be the me I am because we look alike. It's a compliment. <laughs> the next, the next, the next, next passage of Scripture, Genesis, Genesis 32. Genesis 32. Jacob is about to wrestle with God. 21 years later, by the way, he's 97 years old by the time he's wrestling with God. Yeah. His hip didn't go out because God used powers. His hip went out because he's a 90-year-old dude wrestling. He's there wrestling with God, but he's on his way back home to face who he really is. And on the way there, God begins to wrestle with him. And look what God says. Let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered, Amen. He's no longer pretending. What is your name? Jacob. I'm broken. I got issues. I got problems. I, I, I'm messed up. I'm made up from a lot of things. I got daddy issues. I got mommy issues. I'm a liar. I'm a heel grabber. I'm a cheat. I'm a steal. Are you catching it? He accepts who he is. He doesn't run away from this person. He accepts it. You got to accept who you are. But then God intervenes. Verse 28. Then the man said, this is God, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And I love the contrast because his name used to be Jacob, the one who wrestled with man. Wrestled with what? Wrestled with the approval of man. Wrestled with the opinions of man. But then he comes and says, but now you're different. Why? Because now you're no longer wrestling with the approval of man or the opinions of man. Now you're wrestling with me. And now you can be the me you were created to be, and he steps in the gap. Oh, God, please deliver somebody like you delivered me this week. And he becomes the bridge between who you are and who you want to be. And here's why that works. Because he doesn't need you to pretend. He loves the broke down version of you. He loves the ugly version of you. He loves the you with issues. He loves the you with struggles. He loves the you with sin. He loves the you with pain. He loves
compassion. He loves the you with hurt. He loves the poor you, the broken you, the empty you. He loves the you you are. He loves you. He died for this you. He don't need this. He don't need to pretend. He loves you. And, and, and stay standing. And he knows who you were truly created to be. And on the cross, cross he becomes the bridge between who you are and who he wants you to be on the cross we don't gotta pretend we just gotta be in Jesus we just gotta stay in Jesus just stay close to Jesus and he'll tell you who you were born to be every head bowed every eye closed somebody here needs a new beginning somebody here's been living their life as Jacob and God's calling out of Israel if that's you, when I say three, you need to give your life back to Jesus Christ. When I say three, shoot that hand up high. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be fake. Don't front. Let's take down the monster. Let's be real. You need Jesus. You haven't been living right, but you want to get started right here, right now. Here's your opportunity to undo the monster. When I say three, raise your right hand. One, two, three. You need Jesus in your life right now. Come on. I see that hand. 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 Come on. I see that hand. 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 Put it down, put it down, church. Let's pray together. Today, God, pray this out. Today, God, I give up the fake me and I become the real me. Jesus, come on, tell them, Jesus, live inside my heart. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.